The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today I'm really excited because we're going to be talking about the law of emergence. And I first heard this, and I just remembered now, I was telling our wonderful guest that I heard him on Empowered You Media, and I just was very, very impressed and got a hold of his book, and I'm very excited to tell you all about him, and it really falls in with our theme of fighting for love, because when we are emerging as our human being, we are really emerging in love, and we are love incarnate, so this is is a, a great way to learn about the law of emergence as opposed to many of the other laws that we hear about, like the law of attraction, etc. So first, let me tell you about Derek Rydell. He is a spiritual visionary and a great thought leader. He's the author of the number one Amazon and Barnes and Noble bestseller, Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Life Change. And he is an expert on this law of emergence. He's trained top executives at Fortune 500 companies, including American Express and Disney and others. And he teaches them to be empowered in leadership and communications. He coaches celebrities and media professionals, including Oscar and Emmy winners, on creating conscious entertainment. As a regular uh, Huffington Post contributor and the host of his own podcast, Emergent po- Emergence Podcast, on iTunes, he reveals cutting-edge spiritual principles and success strategies to achieve not only financial freedom and abundance, but master productivity, creativity, and uh, most of all, happiness in life. With his global platform, Derek has touched hundreds of thousands around the world with his message of finding your path, your purpose, and have powerful impact uh, and goodness in your life. So I'm really excited. Derek is coming to us from just near north of Los Angeles. So thank you, Derek, so much for joining me. Oh, it's my honor and pleasure to be here. Well, I enjoyed listening to you before, so I'm very thrilled that you have joined us today. So you have this wonderful book. First, tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book, The Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Life Change. 
Yeah, well, you know, I, like so many people, I struggled for many years trying to improve myself. And, uh, you know, a path of self-improvement and attraction and achievement. And after struggling for a decade of that, the only thing I'd really improved was my ability to describe why my life was so messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, I could point to all the things, but there wasn't really a lot of transformation happening. In fact, I became addicted to drugs and alcohol because I was so frustrated and feeling even more inadequate as a result of my efforts at self-improvement. And it eventually drove me to have a, um, a, an overdose, and I almost died. And that wasn't quite enough of a two-by-four from the universe to my head. You know, it still wasn't. An, I didn't quite get the message that something was wrong with this picture. I uh, dug in even deeper and harder and pushed harder and tried to attract more and achieve more and fix myself more. And, and ultimately, while I was doing a film, I, and everything was kind of falling apart again, and I sort of prayed to get lost from everything, went diving in a reef alone and got trapped and nearly drowned. Again, almost died. And I had a moment where I thought I was for sure going to die. Mm. And um, all that was left was me to just surrender, to let go. Because there was nobody that knew I was there and there was no way for me to get out. And in that moment of surrender, something cracked open in me. As I like to say, Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. And I saw that this self I'd been trying to improve and, and fix all these years was just uh, a fictional character that was an amalgamation of parental fantasies and societal pressures and peer pressures and, and that I could never fix him. Mm. And that right behind him, there was a me that was not damaged by my life, that was still okay, in fact, better than okay, and so he didn't need to be fixed or improved. And he didn't need to be healed and changed. He was already good. He was already, you know, whole and complete. And I, it was such a, it was a flash, but it so radically changed my identification. And in the next moment, I somehow got out of the, like in an instant, I either leapt out or the wave came and lifted me, but I was standing outside looking within this coral reef where I'd been trapped and the exit was just inches from me the whole time. But it sent me on a journey of reevaluating the whole mode and model of how we grow and improve. And I was going to become a monk, but that didn't work out too well. <laughs> uh, I tried to be a monk. Um, if you read my book, you probably know the yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but uh, I won't really need to go into it. It was, it was funny, though, because I was literally only three days into fasting and retreating, and I got so hungry and freaked out yeah. that I broke into the monk's kitchen and stole food out of their refrigerator. <laughs> um, so the monks kindly suggested maybe the monastic life wasn't for me. <laughs> but uh, I, I eventually cloistered myself in my apartment. I went on this journey, and, and I had a realization that that just like the oak is already in the acorn, and the acorn doesn't have to go out and attract an oak or achieve an oak or become worthy of an oak, it's already there. When the acorn yields or surrenders to the soil and the conditions in the soil match the pattern within the seed, Mm -hmm. that inherent potential naturally emerges. And that became the law of emergence. And I realized all of nature grows this way. And you think about the butterflies, right? The butterfly is, is a little caterpillar, and then... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The caterpillar doesn't attract wings or achieve wings. It emerges <laughs> from within the caterpillar through a transformational process, and that we're meant to grow exactly the same way. 
and that we brought everything we need with us, that there's a seed of potential, a destiny of greatness, of wholeness and abundance and love already planted in the soil of our soul. And instead of trying to go out and attract and achieve and manipulate and control and coerce the world, we need to learn how to go within and bring our life into harmony or into integrity with what's already in us and what's trying to emerge in our life. And that sent me on a journey of beginning to live that way and, and as well as teach it. And it you know, transformed my life in, in every area of my life. I went from being broke, broken, suicidal, living on 19 cents boxes of macaroni and cheese to mm. ultimately creating you know, a global platform and traveling the world and you know, doing the work that I do today. So, so that was how that all came about. And, um, and it's helped a lot of people to reverse. You know, I say self-improvement is an oxymoron because mm. when you understand the real nature of yourself, you realize you can't improve it. It's already perfect. Um, it's back so to that. Book, it's, it's like that real, uh, you know, self-realization, but really realizing who we are, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, even when we think of self-realization, we still often think of it in terms of, of all the things we have to do to fix and change right. and attract and add. We, we think of ourselves as empty shells mm-hmm. coming the world that we have to fill up. Right. But Nowhere else in nature is that the case, and we're not empty shells. We're full, and, and we're complete, and we're perfect. We just have to learn to, to realize and wake up to and come into integrity with what's already within us, and that begins to show up in our life and unfold, often in ways that are beyond what we can imagine and better than we can imagine. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, really a, it's really the principle uh, what's called the perennial teaching. I didn't make this up. I didn't create this. I discovered it and articulated it in a new way. But right. it's really it's really what all the greatest, most enduring, you know, philosophies and religions are teaching. When you strip away the dogma and the doctrine and a lot of the cultural idioms, you see that whether it's Buddha or Jesus or Lao Tzu or Shakespeare, right. that fundamentally they're saying the same thing. You have a wonderful quote in your book, too, uh, by T.S. Eliot. We shall not cease from the exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. It's, you know, and, I, and I'm hoping that there is that awakening. You know, when I, when I hear people like you and I hear people that um, I meet with and interview, it just inspires me so because I think people are starting to really understand the, the real essence of us, you know, the, the Christ center or that, that spirit center within us is really, it's the real self. And, um, and it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's, again, you know, it's, um, it's what has been, it's, it's, it's what's been taught for, you know, millennia, but we just haven't understood it because we've still been fundamentally interpreting life through our perception of that we're separate from the rest of life and from each other right. and that we somehow, and that we have to go out and get and achieve and attract and improve in order to, you know, have what we need and fill ourselves up. And it's, you know, it's, it's exactly the opposite of right. what we've been taught. 
Right, right. So, you know, when we hear about the law of attraction, and and so basically the law of emergence, how you define it, is is what? Well, the law of emergence in a nutshell, or in an acorn shell, is, (laughs) you know, that, that... Everything is already within the seed, and when the conditions in the soil match the pattern in the seed, Mm -hmm. that which is inherent to it naturally emerges. And the same holds for us. There's a seed of potential, a seed of perfection within all of us. And not just for our whole life, but for every area of our life, in relationships, in family, in business, in a project. The reason why you have that desire and you create that situation is because there is a seed that's trying to blossom, that's trying to emerge. And, and so when you understand and you get in touch with what is that perfect idea or vision or pattern and bring your life into greater and greater integrity with it, it gets to fulfill itself and to bear rich fruits. And, and so the law of emergence is teaching you how to do that, to cultivate the, the soil of your life just like a gardener would cultivate the soil of the soil of the you know the garden with in a way that meets the needs of the seed the gardener doesn't think that they can make a plant happen mm-hmm. they know they can't they know that that's not in their power the only thing in the power of the gardener or the farmer is creating the conditions right. that are in integrity with that seed right. and then the law of emergence the law within the soil it brings that potential into manifest form. And the same is true with us. We can't make our life happen, but we can make it welcome. We can create the conditions that make it welcome. You know, another analogy I love to use is, you know, right now where we are, our favorite music is broadcasting. Right. And, and, and when we tune the dial of our, the dial of the radio to that frequency, that music becomes manifest. Mm-hmm. So, so I like to, it's a play on words to say we have found our manifest station. You know, mm-hmm. when we tune right. into that thing, right? And so, but we didn't make the music happen. It was already broadcasting. Right. We, made it, we made it welcome by coming into tune with it. It wasn't in the distance. It wasn't in the future. We didn't attract it. We didn't achieve it. We, the work we did was tuning in. Right. to what's already playing. And so the law of emergence is the understanding that, you know, that beat of abundance, that symphony of success, that rhythm of love and joy, it's already broadcasting right where we are. But we need to create the conditions that allows us to be in tune with it. And this is, by the way, again, this is what all the great teachers taught. Jesus, and this isn't a religious statement, by the way. Right, right, no, no, no. It, I, a Catholic, I a Jew, a Buddhist, or right. an atheist. right. Um, Jesus, when he kept saying to people, they're like, when's heaven going to come, and what's it going to look like, and we need to deal with all these things, and he was like, stop judging by appearances, y- you know, you, you have eyes, so you can't see, you have ears, you can't hear, heaven is already at hand, it's already within you, it's not going to come, he kept teaching these same ideas, it's within you, it's already here, you're, you're judging with your eyes instead of with your heart, and he kept trying to lead us to tune in to that frequency, to that love, to that perfection that's already inherent. Buddha taught the same thing. He called it nirvana. Lao Tzu called it the Tao. You know, Krishna called it the Atman or the Brahman. Same thing. But it's just different cultures, different languages. But that's the perennial truth. We have it all within us. We brought it all with us. 
In fact, the word human comes from a Sanskrit term that means the dispenser of divine gifts. Mm. So we've just been taught an outside-in way of living, and we need to learn to reverse that. In fact, you know, interestingly, the word evil is live backwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all experiences of what we call evil is because we're living in reverse with the principles of life. We're trying to make life happen and getting all in the way of it rather than allowing to make life welcome. You know, like Ralph Waldo Emerson said, we need to remove our bloated sense of nothingness out of the way of the divine circuits. <laughs> right. <laughs> you and, know? and stop being human doing and start being human being. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. And I think, you know, what worries me about our, our society right now is we are so um, disconnected from, in, in so many ways, by being connected to all of our you know, our electronic devices, right? We're we're so that that we, you know, don't do some of the things like, you know, I've been meditating for God how many years and and I'm really I I was so good at it, you know, transcendental meditation when I was nineteen. Um and then, you know, I wasn't doing it for a while after my you know, when I had kids and then I went back to it and now I do it all the time and I do journaling and I'm really trying to do to be that being to get in touch and i know that when you had that experience when you were caught you know in the water and you know kind of unable to to free yourself um you had that enlightenment you know that's what we need we need to have that spark of enlightenment that just shows us the truth whether it's deep meditation or some kind of near-death experience or something, I just worry that so many people don't take that time to go within. It's true. It's true. We, you know, we don't. Um, we often have to be, as one of my mentors, Michael Beckwith, says, the pain pushes until the vision pulls. Right. You know, we often have to be dragged kicking and screaming into change. And um, because the ego is a set of programs that believes that those programs are who it is, and so anything that would smack of change to the ego is considered a virus to that system software. So it resists it by all means, you know, to prevent us from really changing. To the ego, change is equivalent to death. So, so we have to consciously embrace our own evolution. It's not just going to happen. Life doesn't just happen. Life happens just. It happens orderly and lawfully. And we have to come into a co-creative relationship with our own, you know, evolution, our own growth. And that does mean creating a way of life that has some kind of practice where we're practicing, we're asking deeper questions, we're taking time to become still and silent and disconnect from the world and, and get to know who we really are and why we're really alive and what we really, really value and deep down desire. Because that burning heart's desire that may have gotten covered up by the dust and grit of the journey is a clue to what's actually trying to emerge in our life. Mm -hmm. Desire comes from a root that means of the sire, of the father, or of the creative principle. And it's not a sign of what's outside of you that you have to go get, but what's inside of you trying to get out. So, but, but in order to get in touch with that and to begin to understand ourselves, we really do need to make it a priority, and it's hard. I get it. We're all really busy, 
But at some point, we have to create time. As I like to say, you want more time in your life, make time to be in the timeless. You know, right. meaning med- meditating, praying, affirming, whatever your way of doing that is. But, but we do. We have to make that a priority. It's like a vitamin. We have a vitamin deficiency of silence yes. and, and stillness and contemplation. And we just have to make the time. And by the way, this isn't, you know, I know we're talking pretty, pretty heady and pretty deep. We kind of went right down the rabbit hole from the beginning here. And for a lot of people listening, they might be like, this is all interesting and maybe even ex- inspiring, but, you know, I've got to pay my rent, or I'm struggling through a divorce, or I'm, you know, I'm really depressed or something, and, and, and it can sound like this is a lot of woo-woo stuff, but it's actually profoundly practical when you understand the principles and begin to, you know, step-by-step step create a life where you're coming, where you, where you have a way of life that's more and more... Um, congruent with, you know, this higher vision that's trying to emerge for you. And in all these problems you might be facing, the challenges, the crises, whatever, they're not happening because you're bad or because you did it all wrong, but they're actually happening to create an opportunity for that awakening, for that growth spurt. You know, like there are many, many species in nature that actually need a forest fire, like the jack pine. It mm-hmm. needs the fire to crack open the seed pods. Right. And so if you're, if, for those people listening, if you're in the midst of a forest fire right now, you know, a yeah. challenge, a crisis, yeah. it's, there's an opportunity there, and emergence really speaks to that. It's about understanding that your problems and your crises and your conflicts are not happening against you, but they're conspiring for your greater freedom and your greater you know, strength. And, and there's some deeper capacity that's trying to be cracked open so that your life can be taken to a whole new level. Um, so this is very practical, even though we're talking very principally and right. theoretically, um, you know, it's, it's a very practical way of living. You know, as one who deals with people in conflict for the past 30 years, whether it's divorce or business dispute or whatever kinds of conflict are going on, I usually tell my clients the same thing. You know, this is really for you. You, you, This the greater the pain, the greater the growth. And not only that, you'll be like the phoenix rising out of the ashes from this, that this is your opportunity to grow. But I just want to tell my audience, if you just came in, we are speaking with a wonderful spiritual visionary and brilliant thought leader, Derek Riddell, who is the author of this wonderful best-selling book, Emergent Seven Steps for Radical Life Change. What I'd like to do is kind of briefly go over to give people kind of like an appetizer for this book, the seven stages. So we were talking first, you know, about how do, how do you do this, you know? <laughs> and we're, we're, I'd like to let them know what they're going to get a, a deeper understanding of if you could just go through those stages for us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's hard to go through them quickly, but I will brush through them as quick as I can. I mean, the, the, the stages make up the structure or the framework of how you get in touch with what is that seed of potential trying to emerge in your life. How do you bring your life into integrity with it? How do you create the structures to support you in it? And how do you also then deal with what needs to be healed or released or integrated along this journey? Which, Because in order for us to grow to the next level, we do have to let go of what came before. 
Right. You know, the acorn, the acorn can't be an acorn and an oak tree. It has to die to its acornness. Right. It has to let go of its protective shell. And the same is true for us, for us to keep evolving to the next and the next, whether it's a business, a relationship, family, whatever. Um, there is thoughts, habits, beliefs, parts of us we have to let go. So and that's not right. easy. That's not always easy, is it? <laughs> it's almost never easy. <laughs> right. Um, so, but it's okay because... You know, actually, we are designed to be able to endure the challenge and become more resilient if we embrace it through this process. We're actually designed for that. We're not as much designed to deal with the regret of not saying yes to our yes. When we, when we fail to say yes to our yes, we're actually not designed for that. That is what creates the most pain and suffering. Embracing a challenge, if we do it this way, the right way, we are designed for that. We're designed for growth and evolution. We're not designed for regret and for not saying yes to our yes. That's what that, you know, gospel of Thomas, the, the passage, if you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Right. So, yeah. so we're not designed to keep resisting and saying no to what's really in us. And I know that those of you listening know there's a big yes for you. There's something you really want to say yes to, but you're afraid. And I can tell you the pain of not saying yes is much more. The cost is much more than saying yes. So the seven steps in brief are the first step is seeing the completed vision. So this is all about tapping in and discovering what is that higher vision or that seed of potential for your life or whatever area of your life you're working on, you know, health, wealth, work, relationships, um, spirituality, service, etc. Those core life structures. There's, you can focus on any one of them or on the overall vision for your life. So that's step one. Mm-hmm. You, have to know, you have to know what the seed is. You have to know where you're going because if you don't know where you're going, every road will take you there. And you'll be lost. And, and I so, just want to say something. What you had said before about desire, that the desire is, if you have a desire, that's your clue. Because <laughs> people exactly. say, I have no idea. You know, exactly. and then you sit down and say, well, what do you love? What would you love to do? Then that helps them with exactly. that desire. Okay, let's go to two. Exactly. And, and I walk you through, there's a lot of ways. Your, your life vision is shouting all around you, but you haven't learned to read the signs. Right. And so I walk you through how to become literate in the ability to read the signs and the clues of what's really trying to emerge through you. What is that grand vision for your life or whatever area you're working on? Second stage is now you know what the seed is. You have to cultivate the soil. You have to cultivate the conditions that are congruent with that seed. You have to create a way of life and a practice and start to engender certain qualities of feeling and being that allow you to start to step into and live into the direction of your whatever that vision is. Mm-hmm. And so you, want, you begin to learn how to surround yourself with the people, places, things, inside and out, an environment that is about where you want to be, not where you've been. Exactly. So that's stage two, creating mm-hmm. those conditions. Stage three is then creating the quantum plan. It's a quantum plan because it's a plan that not only includes what is the outer actions you'll now take, in order to move in the direction of that vision, but what are the inner actions, the inner practices, so that you are staying, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually aligned with the vision? That's one of the big mistakes people make: is they know they want to have more money or more whatever, 
and they get out there and start trying to make a bunch of stuff happen, but internally they're not congruent. Right. And so they are what would be called a house that is divided, or as the old metaphysical axiom says, to he who is right in mind, he can do all the wrong things, it'll turn out right. But to he or she who is wrong in mind, they can do all the right things, and it'll turn out wrong. Exactly. So we've got, to get those, we've got to get you into both internal and external integrity, and then we put that into a plan so that you start to be able to live very practically, very methodically, step by step, and you're moving now in the direction of your vision inside and out. So that's the foundation. And then step four, I go into a deeper dive on give what appears missing because the principle of emergence is that it's all within you. So whatever's missing is what you're not giving, what you're not generating, including not just what you're giving to the world, but what you're giving to yourself. Derek, I got to tell you, we are out of time. So now we know that everybody is going to have to read this to find uh-huh. out about okay. what the other three steps are. So I just want to say, you know, say the name of your book again, which is yeah. Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Life Change. And why don't you just give your website and it's time to go, Derek. Absolutely. So if you want to grab the book, I'm going to give you about $1,800 in bonus training and live support. Just go to get emergencebook.com and you can grab a copy and get all this support and training to really make sure you implement it. You can also go to DerekRidell.com, D-E-R-E-K-R-Y-D-A-L-L.com and get other free downloadable resources to support you. Wonderful, Derek. Thank you so much for joining us. Terrific job and we will keep in touch, okay? Thank you all. Thank you so much. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.